everybody, welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Our last episode was an interview with Dr. Laura Froyan. I had so much fun making that for you, and I hope that you all really enjoyed that interview. I just thought there were so many um, little golden nuggets of wisdom in there. And I hope that you all felt the same way. I would absolutely love to get more interviews and things on the podcast. So, of course, if there is anybody that you would love for me to interview or talk to or just a different way to open up the conversation, a different topic you want to hear about, please let me know. You can reach out on Instagram at grow.up.ig or, of course, you can always shoot me an email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Speaking of different kinds of episodes, um, this episode is going to be a little bit interesting. So I actually recorded something for this episode. It was, I mean, maybe a week or two ago even, and I recorded it in my car of all places um, when I was out and about and I was actually kind of triggered um, with something going on in just our parenting journey between me and my husband. So um I was just kind of in a mood and I decided to record the podcast. So um, in listening to it now and listening to it back, now that I'm not in that same headspace, there's a lot of things that I feel like I'm kind of able to coach myself through that I maybe wasn't able to recognize in the moment. And I think that's kind of the name of the game, right? Having those big feelings, working through those moments, working through, through all those emotions, and then maybe, um, you know, kind of figuring it out outside of the moment and thinking, let's revisit that. Let's get curious about that. How can I show up differently? Um, how can I work through some of that, you know, wounding that I was experiencing in that moment? So what I'm going to do is actually play for you the episode that I had recorded to have on the podcast. And then I'm going to do a follow-up right after it on the same episode, kind of about different ways to look at things and how I can walk myself through those big feelings and through that moment and how I can show up differently for myself in that moment. So without further ado, I'm going to run this um, clip and then I'll catch you after. Enjoy. So I'm actually recording this episode from my car, (laughs) which um, hopefully sounds okay. Never really done this before. Totally winging it. Um, I'm kind of in a mood today and I normally wouldn't be inspired by a mood, you know, a, a kind of crappy mood to catapult me into recording a podcast episode, but I'm trying something new because I was in my feelings today a little bit and I don't know, I kind of thought maybe I just go on the podcast and vent this out a little bit because I'm sure this is not a new feeling. If if I'm feeling this, I'm sure there's other parents or people out there that have also felt this way. So um, yeah, I'm just here to kind of vent it out today. So hopefully this this ends up being something that you all find interesting. Um, I guess maybe because I've been back to work lately and uh, I've been just talking to people again. Shocker. I um, feel like I'm finally emerging from the quarantine cave that I've been in for, you know, 18 plus months. 
And, you know, of course, what's going to come up a lot for my clients that haven't seen me in a few years is talking about my son, which is so wonderful to talk about and just to get like different human interactions. And oddly enough, um, the, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are moms, you know, and, and of course dads too, but um, I find the moms, you know, like to talk about childhood and parenthood and all those things with me. So yeah, I think, you know, I've been able to talk a little bit about just all those things with my clients again, which has been really cathartic and really nice. And I'm just kind of catching everybody up to speed on where we are with my son because they all come in and they're like, how old's your baby? And I'm like, well, he's actually four now because when we started the pandemic, he was two and a half. So Uh, Yeah, we're just trying to get acquainted again. But in doing that, I think I've been focusing a lot on, um, this is going to come across as negative, but I I know that you parents out there can relate and you know that I don't mean it this way. Um, Just all the differences between maybe my child and maybe the way that I thought I was going to parent or the, the kind of child I thought I was going to have. And then the reality of how I am parenting or the things that, you know, authentically make me happy as a parent. Um, and just like the, the type of child that I have, which of course is that a negative thing, but it has definitely changed the traje- trajectory of our parenting experience. So I guess this morning, you know, my husband had to go into work early and I'm home with my son and I've been noticing a couple of things lately that I think this morning it just is hitting me heavy um, between talking about differences of children and differences of, you know, parenting journeys and just different struggles that we're having at home um, with other people and their children and maybe those um their struggles maybe are looking a little bit more like what I thought my journey would have been like, if that makes sense, which of course boils down to comparison, right? And they do say comparison is the thief of all joy, which I have to say I totally agree with. But I'm in this mood lately where even though my higher self knows better, I'm just kind of feeling my feelings. And um, I guess this morning when I was home with my son while my husband was at work for a little while, it just was like hitting me like a ton of bricks. So in my house, my son, I mean, easily hands down a hundred percent since he was pretty much, you know, able to express this preference. He absolutely loves my husband. My husband is the MVP of the household. Um, Tom is Vaughn's best friend and he easily picks dad over mom. You know, I would say 99.9% of the time. Um, And I mean, when it's matters of, you know, providing more nurturing or providing like a, you know, um, something for survival, you know, such as like a dinner or things like that, I think he would choose me. Um, But I think when it comes down to like connecting and who who he wants for bedtime and who he wants to play with and who he wants to do those kinds of things with, it's, it's always my husband. And he's very, obviously now at four years old, he's very verbal about that. It's never something that I make him feel guilty about. It's never something I make him feel bad about. If I have any inkling of disappointment because of that, I do my best not to, you know, put that onto him or have that influence his decision. You know, for instance, because we have an only child, we will 50-50 do bedtime. So, you know, one night it's my husband, the next night it's me. And, you know, every night he's like, 
is it daddy's turn? Is it daddy's turn? And, um, you know, of course, half of those times it is and half of those times it's not. And, you know, the nights that I'm like, yeah, it's daddy's turn tonight. He's like, yes, you know, he's so excited. And then the nights that it's mommy's turn, we get, you know, oh, like, why isn't it daddy's turn? I want daddy to do it. And these kinds of things. And, um, you know, we're just really, we keep it really casual. I'll say something like, I know that's really disappointing. You were hoping that that daddy was going to do it tonight. I understand daddy, you know, daddy does a really fun bedtime, doesn't he? You know, he'll get to do it tomorrow though. Tonight's my turn because, you know, I like to spend time with you too. And this is how we do it in our house and whatever, you know? And so normally we talk it through. And to be honest, a lot of times I kind of get the break in a way, you know, the, the parenting break. And after being home with him, during the COVID, you know, pandemic experience for so long, just the two of us while my husband was working outside of the home, it's been kind of nice because, you know, it's like, oh, well, he wants you. Guess I'll just, you know, I mean, I'm always doing something, you know, not like it's recreational. It's like, oh, I'm doing the dishes or something. But I mean, I'm going to be honest, nine times out of 10, because my son is so intense, doing the dishes is like the easier job, you know? Um, and I think because we were home during the pandemic for so long, um, we fell back a lot on screen time and things like that, that I didn't want to do. But when you're a parent in survival mode, you know, and you have nowhere to go and you have a toddler at home between the ages of two and four, and, um, you're just struggling to pull yourself through mentally and also provide for them and try to keep it interesting. Yeah, I mean, we definitely started some bad habits by way of screen time and entertainment. So what I'm finding now, and this is, I think, that's been more and more apparent in the last, you know, couple weeks, even more so than normal. Obviously, he still, you know, prefers my husband for things. and But I'm starting to notice that, like, when it's just him and I at home, that he becomes more of a couch potato, that he um, doesn't seem to be as motivated for play or doesn't ask me to engage in play as much. And I've just been sitting with this feeling, you know, in the last couple of weeks or days even, that like, is that because he's almost been trained that like I'm not available? And that makes me start to judge myself, of course, because I'm thinking, has he tried to engage me, you know, and get me to play the way my husband plays with him, who, you know, by all accounts is a much more present parent, a much more playful parent who seems to be able to tap into his childlike energy a little bit better than I can. Gosh, this is making me emotional. Woo! Um, and I can't help but think, you know, does he, does he know that he's not going to get that from me and therefore not, you know, ask me to play those same games? Cause even this morning, you know, we're home and my husband's at work. Like I said, he went into work early and essentially we played, you know, one game in the morning before we came downstairs because I don't I know I've mentioned before my son is very high energy so he pretty much we joke that he wakes up with a rocket strapped to his ass um he is like ready and raring to go at you know the second literally that he opens his eyes <laughs> you know he'll say oh it's a beautiful morning you know and he just like jumps up and he's like come on mom come on dad like you know out of bed and it's just like oh my god you know and I think because his personality triggers me 
and my personality and my high needs. I'm a very sensitive um, person, highly sensitive person. If you haven't researched that, I definitely suggest you do so because um, it may be you also. His nonstop energy and nonstop needs has a way of, I think, triggering me um, probably a little bit more naturally than it does to my husband. Um, so just craving a quiet morning, like once, like ever in four years. <laughs> um, and even this morning, I just was like, oh my God, like, do we have to play this like right away? Can I just like literally just pee and brush my teeth for the love of God? Um, but anyways, yeah. So I think where I'm going with this is that after that quick thing, you know, quick play, you know, thing, play, you know, session, we come downstairs and it's like instantly, he's like, mom, I want to watch, you know, a show. And for, to give myself some sanity, I turn on the show, you know, and I have to make the breakfast and do the things. And we try with my son to like, you know, oh, we can't do that right now. You have to play, you know, like whatever, no screen time, this and that. But he's 100% a wild card. So he's the kind of person that he sometimes will be, you know, fine playing by himself and sometimes he won't. And there's pretty much no way you can guarantee that, you know, even five minutes of he's going to be, you know, he always plays this by himself or he always does this every single day and he loves it. There's no guarantee with him. So it's not like I can say, oh, I'm not going to turn that on. You go play this. It's like there's always a fire to be put out. So sometimes turning on the screen time is my survival, you know, my my slow morning that I'm craving while I make my cup of coffee and cook him the breakfast, which is fine. But then what I find happens is, and again, this is where I'm starting to blame myself, which I don't want to do and I don't think is accurate, but I can't help myself right now in this moment, is thinking, is this why he becomes the couch potato with me? Because he triggers me. I'm flooded. I need a break. I do the thing to pacify him. And then we kind of get stuck in this rut because I'll try to say, oh, let's go on a walk. Let's get outside. Let's do this. Let's do that. And it's kind of like, no, this. I want to watch another movie. I want to do this, you know. And again, we get kind of stuck in this rut and this like couch potato rut. Whereas I just ran out to do an errand really quickly. And I get a text from my husband like, oh, well, if you come home, you know, he was adamant that we go on a walk right now. And so we're on a walk. If you get home, we won't be home. And I just thought to myself, and I think this is kind of where that feeling came flooding in because it's been in the back of my mind for a long time of like, you know, is our connection and our relationship the way that it is because I haven't, you know, I don't know, like risen to the occasion when he needed me to, that I've been unable because of my survival mechanism, pandemic, my own mental state, to not be the mom that I saw myself being, the mom that I wish I was, the mom that I know under the best case circumstances is um, the one that has the energy and does the fun stuff. And, my, you know, when I saw that text from my husband, I thought, oh, like, I could never get him to do that stuff with me. And I'm so grateful for my husband. And 
the relationship that they have. And this this episode is in no way, you know, wishing that that wasn't the case. I don't want to take an ounce of, you know, anything from what they have. I just think it's a bit of reflection on my end of the comparison's sake, of seeing them, you know, play so well together and seeing my husband have the energy and seeing my son prefer him, which is great. Having a healthy relationship with his dad is important. But it makes me start to question what I've maybe done or not done that maybe makes me the least favorite, <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, I wish I could let the let the tears out here um, without fully breaking down, but whew, it's just coming, coming in hot today. So yeah, so I, I guess it was just my way of getting on here to to vent it out a little bit and just, you know, explain where my head is at. And again, I just thought, I'm just going to go with this. I'm going to, I'm going to tap into this podcast while I am emotionally triggered because I know if this is happening to me, it happens to other people. And maybe you're the, the, um, you know, the go-to parent. Um, I think I'm like the behind the scenes parent a little bit more and the nurturing parent a little bit more. And, my husband's the fun parent and that's great but it sometimes makes me feel like it's my fault even though I know better and I'm trying to hold space for my feelings of grief of the vision of who I thought I would be the kind of relationship that it would be at this stage and I know it's constantly changing and this is not to say my son doesn't love me. I know that he loves me. We have a, you know, great little triangle family dynamic with just the three of us and we are close. And I think to myself, the fact that he even feels comfortable, you know, showing his preferences and his feelings is the environment that we have done so much work to cultivate. So I don't for a second, you know, doubt that. But it's just in these moments of comparison when I see the way that they're interacting and then sometimes it just sheds a deeper light onto the lack, in my opinion, of the way we re- we act in that same way. And yeah, I'm just I'm just sitting with that today. I'm, I'm kind of grieving that. And again, in having talked to all my clients about their children and kind of shedding light into the kind of kid that mine is and they talk about their children and... It's just, um, I think one of the hardest things for me on our parenting journey specifically has been rewriting that script. And I think this is something that's been brewing in the back of my mind ever since I've been back to work just with all the hyper, you know, magnification on that specific trigger for me. Because I see these people who have multiple kids and I see these people who um, have... I'm going to say easier children, even though, again, that's a total projection, but the kind of children that maybe I thought that I would have. And my son is, you know, intense. Intense is the best way that I can um, describe it. Not in a negative way. He's incredible. and I truly believe he's going to change the world. But sometimes to see a more calm, 
interaction or hear about it from a client of mine with parent and child and how they have time to kind of explore and enjoy each other. And I can't help but think with my hypersensitivity, um, being a highly sensitive person, if I had a kid like that, like what kind of mom would I be able to be? Um, and I, that being said, I also know that my lessons lie in having the child that's not that way because I'm growing every day trying to meet the needs of my high needs child while I am highly sensitive. That's our journey. That's our story. I see complete value in it. But I think today I'm just um, also holding space for the grief that I feel and the um, inadequacy that I feel sometimes, which is totally self self-made, self-projected. Um, but it's a little bit overwhelming right now. So it's something that I'm just kind of speaking because sometimes it feels good to know that other people are there with you. And the fact that I'm even aware of it, the fact that I even want to do better, I know shows that I care about my son deeply, that I am trying my best. And it's just that I think, you know, my own self-doubt, my own self-judgment is always creeping in. And it's something that I'm trying to keep at bay too. But I think sometimes just feeling your feelings and making room for both, knowing that I am a good mom and I'm also struggling with this feeling. Um, I've had a few people reach out to me when I mentioned, you know, my son being spirited, highly spirited, also highly sensitive, which goes hand in hand for a lot of children. And I just, you know, had a really good talk with you know, uh, an internet friend. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of those since uh, COVID. Anyway, another mom that we got to know each other through the one and done community and, you know, and now through the grow up community. And it's been nice to kind of be able to compare notes with parents that seem to have similar struggles with very high, high spirited children. And is it worse than, you know, a not, not spirited child? Absolutely not. It's just different. And I don't think when I went to the drawing board, you know, with my all my experience nannying and teaching dancing, um, with the kind of kids that I had seen through that space, I never saw a child that was like my son. And so going into parenting, knowing that I love children, I'm good at this, I've done, you know, this work with kids before, this is how I'll be because that's how I had been in the past and then now that I have my own son um, who has a totally different set of needs I'm in a different place in my life cue pandemic all the things um, it's just been a really difficult script to kind of tear up for me because it it triggers a lot of shame a lot of failure feelings of failure and a lot of feelings of inadequacy even though I am so proud of myself and my husband for meeting my child where he is and seeing him for who he is and not, you know, parenting within a box that he doesn't fit in. We have, you know, which is actually a huge part of why Grow Up came to be. This whole platform came to be because I have had to dig deep and do a lot of research to, you know, make sure that I am the, you know, steady balanced parent as much as I can be for my child who is like a human ping pong ball um so yeah I think that's kind of what I'm getting on here just to throw that out into the universe um let you know that I'm in it right now um 
comparison, like I said, does steal your joy. And it's as much as I try not to do it, sometimes I know for myself, maybe it's the Scorpio in me, (laughs) I simmer. Like I, I kind of like picture like a cauldron and like my thoughts will like simmer and simmer and simmer. And I'm kind of like, I'm able to think my way through my feelings and think that's not true. That's, you know, you're comparing again, you know, kind of all of that stuff to keep a lid on it. And then something as minuscule as my husband texting me and saying, hey, you know, he couldn't wait to go on a walk with me and we're out doing that. So if you come home, you know, whatever. And that instant flooding of why does he always want to do this stuff with you and I can't get him off the couch with me, you know, and it's that instant comparison, that instant feeling of what am I doing wrong? And I think that triggers, you know, it's like pulling that that piece of yarn that just unravels the whole ball of yarn for me because those feelings are so deeply embedded from the second we got him home and he was high needs um when he was a newborn so yeah I'm just trying to allow myself those feelings and allow myself the space to air those out while also knowing that I'm not gonna stay here I'm not gonna stay in this space I know better but this is a big struggle for me. So I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, If you have something to add, if you feel like this, if you want to share, I would love to hear it. If you just want to reach out because you're like, oh my God, me too. Don't put me on the air, but let's chat about this because parenting is effing hard. Um, I love those messages. I love to hear other people feel the same way. Um, Again, grow.up.ig on Instagram, a DM, any of that. And also my Gmail account, uh, thegrowuppod at gmail.com. So I hope that you all are hanging in there. I hope you enjoyed the interview last episode. I hope that this spoke to somebody. Um, I just felt this call to action to get this out there and into the world to let you know that if you're having these feelings too, you're not alone. And even though sometimes parenting feels super freaking hard, even though we're doing our best, you are still an amazing parent. You are the perfect parent for your child. And I'm trusting that even though I feel like this, this is the journey I need to be on. I am the mom that my son needs. And tomorrow, you know, when I wake up, I'm sure I'll, you know, be able to take a deep breath and have a better outlook. But for today, I'm just going to kind of sit with it. So I will talk to you all later. Thanks for being here. (sighs) Bye-bye. Welcome back. (laughs) So many thoughts swirling through my head, Um, especially when I listened back on that the first time um trying to ride that duality between holding space for myself that day and that person and that version of myself and all that I was going through and also showing up differently and kind of like I said before getting curious about why I was having those thoughts and in a weird way being able to separate um the emotion that I was feeling in that moment from the words that I was saying when I listened back. It's almost like I'm listening to a friend telling me that versus feeling it in the moment like I was feeling, which I think just goes to show you that when so much piles up, you know, when you're stressed about about other things, not even the thing on, you know, the immediate problem at hand, it all kind of builds up and you can 
start to crack and it, and it's just too much. And I think that happens a lot in parenthood. I think that can happen a lot in adulthood. Um, there's just so many little things that we all are micromanaging throughout the day for ourselves, for our children, for our career, for our friends, our family. We're in a freaking pandemic, you know, all those things. And some days, you know, it's like the tiniest little thing that can somehow just break open that floodgate of emotion. And I think that's exactly what was happening to me on the day that I recorded that, um, that episode that you just listened to. I started to kind of listen to myself objectively and I actually started writing some things down, um, patterns in my speech, themes of things that I was talking about and what wounds they were kind of touching for me. It actually was a really interesting um, exercise. I think that, I mean, it just speaks to the power of journaling, I think. And that's something that I always want to start doing and have intentions of starting to do. And then for some reason, I get this kind of block when I begin to sit down and journal. Um, my brain is super active. I'm constantly thinking and overthinking and rethinking. And I think sometimes the idea of journaling to me just seems so overwhelming because I notice I have so many thoughts, you know, flooding it at the same time. So sometimes the idea of capturing them all and doing them all justice is, um, is hard for me. But I also think that some of my own, um, things that I'm working through, just my having to be black or white, like not being able to stay in the gray. Um, so yeah, that's just something that as I was doing this work to make this episode and writing down the patterns, I was like, wow, I can really see how journaling is so effective because I was able to kind of objectively do that research, you know, and listen and then even more clearly, because I'm literally seeing the words written out, I'm seeing the patterns. And when you see your patterns, I think you're able to do some more of that work. So one of the main ones that was coming up for me when I was listening back was just this feeling of um, almost being a victim to motherhood. And I know that might be a hard one to say or hear. Um, there's so many people out there that you know, struggled to get pregnant and have children. Um, but I think for me, and again, I haven't really completely, you know, disclosed my entire birth story or my pregnancy or things like that. But I think something that keeps coming up for me is everything's been tainted with this almost like burden of mothering and kind of the wounding that that all imparted with me starting into this journey. Um, I think I have a lot of shame. I carry a lot of shame for, quote, not doing better at mothering, for being a different kind of mom than I thought that I would be. Um, as much as I've made peace with having um, a single child and not having more children, I think growing up in, you know, the typical American culture with an Irish Catholic family who has tons of children, this idea of just the pure fact that I don't want more children 
um, has been kind of a hard one for me to completely wrap my head around without having, you know, shame. I mean, I definitely feel guilty. I feel like something's wrong with me sometimes because I don't have those feelings. Um, I think it's been hard. And again, I said it a thousand times in the podcast, comparison is the thief of all joy. But just the way that when you're in that parenting journey and it's your first child, you're like looking to everybody else almost to see how am I doing? Is that effective? What are you doing? Should I be doing that? Is that better than what I'm doing? Um, just that idea of constantly comparing. And when I was looking around, you know, it's like I had this child who required more, required different, just wasn't this conventional, quote, easy child. He was the one that was resisting constantly, um, the one that seemed to have extra needs, the one that just, you know, the sheer um, task of meeting all those needs felt and still feels very much to this day extremely overwhelming to me just because of what I already bring to the table. Sometimes I find myself almost wishing that things were different, that, you know, what if he wasn't like this? What if I wasn't like this? And I think that just shows you all that shame and that judgment that I carry in my own head and the insecurity that I carry around for myself, all of which is completely, you know, imposed by society and upbringing, but also me holding myself to an unattainable standard. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to blame your child for being a certain way or doing a certain thing because it prevents you from looking in the mirror and it prevents you from maybe sitting in the discomfort of what that brings up for you when your child is acting a certain way or when your child has certain needs that feel really impossible for you to meet. It's like we can't put that burden on something external. We have to look inward and think, why is this triggering me? And I think sometimes, you know, my gut instinct when I'm in the throes of motherhood on a really hard day is to almost look at my child and just say like, you know, not really say, I don't say this out loud, but in my head, it's like that constant feeling of if he wasn't like this and I wouldn't be like that. Or if, if, you know, he would just do that, then this could happen and that would be so much easier. And everybody else seems to not have a problem. Why do we seem to have a problem? And again, back to that comparison game, that insecurity game, that, you know, I'm keeping myself in this like perpetual shame cycle of just, you know, not accepting reality and wishing that it was different. And I'm realizing now, and especially after listening to that, that it's okay. It's okay to feel all of those things. Stop resisting those feelings. It's okay to have a shitty day. It's okay to not love every single second of your motherhood journey. And it's also okay to grieve the things that you thought would be that aren't. And I think sitting, like I said, you know, during that, that little episode was sitting in the grief and letting myself feel the grief that, you know, this isn't the way I saw it going. Does that mean it's bad? No, just means it's different. And letting myself in those moments of weakness, feel all the feelings rushing in and 
maybe can I do that without blaming myself for that? Can I just be human and let myself have feelings? You know, do I have, does everything have to be great all the time? Does everything have to be happy and joyful and, you know, easy and, you know, societal acceptance or I have to have that all the time? Or can I just be human sometimes? That's a hard one for me, as weird as that sounds. I think just insecurity to me was the word that just was like popping up like a red flag left and right when I was listening to that. I just am so insecure and I hear it in my words and I hear it in my judgments. You know, I have so much shame for not being perfect, whatever that even means, um, for not doing everything and meeting everyone's needs perfectly to the nth degree. And I think, you know, just since COVID, realizing how deeply embedded my mental illness can be with anxiety, with the depression that I've experienced in my life, um, I think as much as I am a huge proponent for, you know, mental health awareness and advocacy and not, you know, breaking that and definitely breaking that stigma and not, you know, hiding behind that and not hiding it from the world at the same time. You know, sometimes when you're in it, it's like you just think, man, what would life be like if I wasn't carrying that around? It's like that analogy where people, you know, it's like you put rocks, it's like rocks in a backpack, right? Like anxiety is a rock and depression is a rock and this trauma and this wounding, they're all these rocks and you're carrying them around in your backpack and it's just so freaking heavy. And it's like, man, how much faster could I go? How much farther along this path of this hike could I be if I wasn't carrying all this heavy baggage? And um, I think that's a natural thing to think. But I'm just hearing that insecurity that even though I'm trying to do my best to treat my, you know, anxiety and do right by my own mental state and give myself that grace, there's still some shame in there, like going like, but why me? You know, it's a victimization. Why do I have to carry this around? I think there's a little bit of jealousy, as hard as that is to even say or accept, that my husband naturally isn't that way. And that maybe his parenting journey and the way that he aligns with my son's personality seems to be more of a harmonious thing. And that's just what is. And I'm so grateful for that in so many ways. But I think deep down, if I'm being honest with myself, I think there's like a sliver of jealousy there too of why does this have to be my burden to bear? You know, why couldn't I not have these things or process it differently? And then if my son was this way, then I could show up better for him with less work to do on myself you know, making it easier for myself. And the work in that is just accepting that I'm not that way, accepting that I have anxiety, accepting that I get triggered differently and maybe more often than my husband does, you know, accepting my overwhelm, accepting all of those things and realizing I'm human and it's okay and it's going to be okay. And this is just my journey. There isn't a better or worse. There's just differences. Um, I'm definitely a perfectionist that comes across like, you know, huge in that little bit of, you know, that clip. Um, I think that for some reason along the line, I've just always thought that it was my responsibility to fill everyone's cups. Every single person has needs and I am the only person on the planet that can meet these needs 
you know, and putting all this pressure on myself that is so unnecessary. You know, yes, my son has needs. And the beautiful thing about our family and our experience in our family is that there are two parents that are able to divide up that, you know, those things to be, to get met. I don't have to do all of it. I don't have to be perfect at it. I can be, you know, naturally really good, good at filling these things. And the best thing about my relationship with my husband is that he's really good at filling those other things that I might not be so naturally good at. And that's okay. Not every single thing has to come from me. I think I hold myself to this perfectionist standard and that I, you know, I need to do more. It's like, it's never enough. And I need to meet all the needs all the time. And no matter what I'm doing, even if, if it's my best, it's like this insatiable appetite to do more, to do more, to do better, to never sit in accomplishment and never sit in a sense of pride and just like feel like I need to be better. And what even is better? And what even is perfect, right? I mean, all of these things are things that I need to get curious about for myself. Again, it goes back to just being human and being human means I'm imperfect. And just like my husband's imperfect, my son's imperfect, we're all imperfect. And somehow we're going to make a perfect family and a perfect balance in our own unique way. And there isn't this ideal that we need you know, this perfect standard that we need to meet. Um, Vaughn is going to get all of his needs met. It just might not be from me. And that might be a hard truth for me to swallow sometimes, but it doesn't mean that he's going without. And I think that's something, again, that I need to do the work on. Another thing that came up for me when I was listening to that is that maybe that was my inner child calling out a little bit with that sadness um, of almost wishing that I was seen and I was heard more from my parents. Again, I've said a thousand times and I'll say it again. I have loving parents. I had a happy childhood overall, but just because someone's doing the best that they can doesn't mean that the, their best is always meeting your exact needs. And I think deep down, that is a huge fear and a huge insecurity of mine because I know that there were things that naturally I wanted to be seen and heard for that my parents missed out on because of what they were going through and who they are as people. And I think deep down, it's again, goes back to that perfectionist feeling like, what if I miss something? What if he's needing this and I'm not going to be able to to see him and hear him the way he's needing me to see him and hear him? And guess what? It's not going to be perfect. He's going to have needs that go unmet or that he feels like weren't met appropriately because him and I are not the same person. And I have to let him have his journey and his experience and stop trying to control, you know, every single need and how he's going to get those met. Um, I think that I also need to trust in my connection with my son, you know, that he's going to have needs and I'm going to be dialed in enough and self-aware enough to my own child to meet the needs that I can meet, to do them in the best possible way that I know how. 
I have to have trust in myself as a parent and as a caregiver and as a loving adult that when I see a need, I'm going to do everything in my power in that moment to do the best by my child. It's something that I can't predict the future. I can't see every single thing he's going to need. I can't meet needs that aren't already there. But once I see those because of our unique communication and because of my desire to be the mom that I want to be for my child, I have to have trust that I will do the best that I can when I'm given that information. Um, I think it's just that deep down fear of letting my child down in the way that maybe I felt down, let down a little bit when I was a child. Because again, it might have been unintentional for my parents, just the way that it would be unintentional from me. But again, I can't control his journey. I can't control the way he perceives me, the way he perceives my efforts. Um, I can't control the lessons he needs in this lifetime. Maybe my shortcoming in a certain area will be the exact lesson that he needs to get. And maybe him figuring out that out on his own or, you know, getting his own needs met on his own without me is part of his growing process. And who am I to take that away from him? So I think just knowing that I won't meet all the needs all the time correctly, just like my parents did, didn't do that for me, but that I can repair after the fact. And I will do that after the fact. And I will be there with the best guidance that I can give for him on his individual journey. And I can't foresee that. And I can't make sure that I protect him from all of that. But I will be there for him when the chips fall and when he needs some help sorting it all out. Another thing I picked up on was how often I'm looking for approval to the outside. And I think that goes directly back to all of the shortcomings I have with our birth story, with my, you know, my emerging into motherhood, if you can even call it that. Um, and I think just wanting to be seen and heard, again, that goes directly back to my, you know, inner child wounding, but wanting to be seen and heard for all the struggles that we've been through, through the pregnancy, through the delivery, through the neediness of our child for all of his needs and wanting, you know, to meet those. And how many times, just because of who he is as a person, my husband and I have gone back to the drawing board, dig, dug really deep in our psyche and tried to, you know, rip up the script and rewrite it and be the best parents for him. And I think it goes back to me wanting to be seen and held for the struggle and to have someone going, wow, you've really been doing a lot of work. That seems really hard or wow, this hasn't been easy for you. And wanting to hear that, that deep validation. And it's funny, again, it goes back to me being that inner child where like, I don't want someone to help me. Like this is just me, my independence talking. I don't want someone to take away the challenge. Like I kind of like being the independent person that meets my, you know, own needs in that way. Um, 
but it doesn't stop me from wanting to be acknowledged for it. And maybe that's because of the way it fell when my brother died. Maybe that's because of the middle child syndrome that's, you know, was my upbringing for so long. Feeling like I just want someone to see me and say, damn, that's hard and you're doing it. And then I realized while I was thinking about that, I need to freaking do that for myself. Why can't I just sit in that instead of looking to everybody else for that pat on the back, for that reassurance, I can reassure myself. And that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to need to look, you know, hold space to just go, wow, this is freaking tough. And I'm also tough and I can do this stuff. And lastly, I think the last thing I picked up on was just how much ego was coming through, right? Um, things like when I say, I did I make him this way? Did my anxiety make him this way? Um, that I'm just taking it so personally, you know? Um, and I think that what that shows is that maybe deep down, that's a fear of mine is that all the the unmet needs and the unhealed wounds that I carry just in my own person and now being his caretaker, there's a lot of fear there for me about what I'm influencing and how. And um, I think that that just touches that insecurity wound of, you know, that's that that's my wound right that's not his responsibility i didn't make him a certain way he's going to be who he is and that's my own insecurity talking from my own wounding worrying that i'm making him or i'm i'm doing something or not doing something and the perfectionism of not doing enough could i be doing more should i be different could i be better um and yeah, I think it just, when I was crying, it just hit that nerve of that insecurity of, you know, worry that who I am and inadvertently just as a person at my base level with all of my baggage could somehow be deeply hurting my child. And I think I need to take myself out of the equation with the ego there and not you know, make it all about me. His life will be his life. His journey will be his journey. And then I need to do the work to get to that wound and somehow heal that wound. You know, just get really curious about what that's bringing up for me and where that's coming from and why and do the work on myself to heal that. So I don't make him feel responsible for being, you know, just for himself being the way he naturally is and the way that that touches my nerves. <sighs> so the good news is <laughs> I felt that way and I sat with it that whole day and I was just kind of in a funk and I let myself feel it and I still let myself feel it when it comes up. But after that day, really sitting in it, really letting that stuff come up, writing down these thoughts as I listened to it back from a totally different headspace when I was out of that, you know, mind frame, I'm feeling so much better. And I'm feeling, I mean, there's a ton of work here to do still, as there always will be. But I'm feeling more 
balanced and more ready to um, dive in and do the work from a balanced point. Whereas when I recorded that episode, I felt fragile. I felt weak. I felt ready to break. And again, it could be something so simple that's the tipping point that all of a sudden unleashes the floodgates. But I also think that when you see yourself crack, that's where you know where to let the light in. And in just showing you here the kind of journaling I did afterward about the wounds and the ways that I can help, you know, heal those wounds, you know, hopefully that kind of shows a little bit of a guide of how you can do that for yourself too. That when you're having those moments where you're not showing up as your best self or you're just feeling yucky, you can let yourself feel that way, let yourself be human. And then later when you're feeling a little bit more stable, when you're more rested, when you're more together, when you're feeling a little bit closer to your best self, you can reflect with curiosity on those moments and figure out, you know, where you need to let the light in and where you need to soften a little bit and figure out a plan to go forward. Whew, that was a long one. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. As always, reach out to me on Instagram at grow.up.ig, on email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. I love hearing from you. Please keep reaching out. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing the work and keep going. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.